Today on the episode, we have Caden Cross on my very first podcast sponsored by Minivids. And you should go check out my account, hollyrandall.minivids.com and check out all of my beautiful, sexy videos that you can buy individually. You don't actually have to buy a membership. You can go and you can buy each video on its own and be selective about what you watch. And I've got a lot of really hot stuff up on there, so you should definitely check it out. But for now, make sure that you sit back, have a cup of tea, why don't you, and enjoy what is going to be a very intellectually stimulating conversation with Caden Croft. Everybody, welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. And today I have an exquisitely special guest, Miss Caden Cross. Hi, guys. Hi, Caden. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Also, this is um, exciting for me as well because this is my first uh, podcast that's been sponsored by Minivids, hence all the Minivids. Do I get to keep this Contribuity. one? Do I yeah. get to keep this? You know what? I'm going to say yes because we're on camera. And then you might take it back. And then after the show and be like, you <laughs> so can't have that. don't get attached is what you're saying. All right. We have the I Love Minivid sign here. I'm wearing the shirt with the little locks on the nipples. I already spilled food on it, so I've made it mine. <laughs> That's how you own something. You stain it up. Oh, yeah. It's totally stained up. I'm so, and I thought to myself, too, like when I put it on this morning, I'm like, don't stain this shirt. Don't stain this shirt. And I that's it. always what I think when I wear white. I'm like, why am I putting this on? <laughs> I know, right? White's just like, it's just asking to be stained. I'm always fascinated by people who do it and yeah. there's nothing on their clothing, especially yeah. pants. Yes. Because you're always putting your butt on things. Yes. What about the people who wear like all white like suits or dresses? I don't know. I do not know how they do it. Like the all white party um, at the AVN show. Well, they're not really wearing that many clothes. I mean, That's true. That's true. It's all if they white spill, it's nude. on skin. Right. Right. <laughs> So how are you? I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. There has been a lot that has happened in your life since I've last actually really had a chance to sit down and talk to you because... Well, you've known me a long time. I've known you a very long time. I, I was reflecting on that as I was coming here because I, like, I was like, I'm coming to this podcast and I'm like, wait, I haven't seen Holly in a while. I know. Which means that you have to have known each other for a while yes. in order to have not seen yes. each other in a while. Yes. And we go back as far as my career goes back. Yeah. I remember when you came to me and you asked me about... Um, who I should get to help you build your website. One of my favorite recommendations of all time. Yeah. 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 That was a good move. Yeah. He is, uh, we have a mutual friend um, named Rodeo Danger. Who's Rodeo Danger. Comp- That's his legal name. Yes. <laughs> Given at birth. <laughs> By his crazy mother, who's kind of <laughs> nuts. But we love her. Um, and uh, yeah, he's a good friend of the both of us. Yeah. Ours, both yeah. ours. And um, he's completely batshit crazy by a little many In a good way. He's smart batshit crazy. He is smart shit batshit crazy. Yeah. It's, it's okay to be batshit crazy if you're intelligent, I find. Yeah, if you're holding it together, you can be a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. So. But if you're just stupid crazy, stupid crazy is not okay. Stupid crazy gets you homeless on the street. Yeah. Smart crazy. Smart crazy is admirable. Yeah. That's just kind of like, wow, they're really out there. They're like a next level beyond beyond us. Does he send you late night videos of himself playing the piano? Oh my God, yes. 
That's what I get. I get just just the POV of his hands playing the piano, and then he tells me how late it's going to get him because of how well he plays the piano. Yeah, you know what? Actually, when I first met him, he played the piano for me a couple of times because we used to date back in the day, Mm -hmm. like very casually. And I remember, like, my panties might have gotten a little bit wet. He'd be so excited if he knew that we were talking about him right now. He'd be thrilled. So excited. Yeah. Um, and then with said friend, we had a very interesting ex- adventure when we shot in the Salton Sea. Oh my God. Which is still like some of my favorite, my favorite. photos. I love seeing those photos. Of all time. The but it was sh- the smelliest day of all time. <laughs> the smelliest like my, day. My car. Like, remember I had the truck? Yeah. You got, you got, you got stuck. Right? I got Your stuck. Car got and stuck. thank God you had the truck. So I drove this really like soccer mom Volvo <laughs> SUV, no four wheel drive or anything like that. And we were out like on a beachy area. So the Salton Sea is this area in California that's kind of pretty much been abandoned. So there's a yeah, bunch like of abandoned. nothing exists there. Right. Because what happened at. Well, it's too salty to host life. Right. Is that it? Yeah, but I can't remember what the actual. Because there was some kind of. Did the place just dry up? There had been a, a, some sort of trailer park that lived there and it flooded. Yeah. We were, we were shooting in the flooded yes. out single wide trailers. Yes. And. I, I don't know if it used to like have a vibrant ecosystem and right. then got too acidic or something or salt. I don't know what happened, but it smelled like everything had just died. <laughs> and so the, the sand wasn't made up of like tiny rock granules. It was like tiny fish bones or yes. something. Yeah, there was like dead fish heads everywhere. And no matter what you did, you couldn't get the smell. No. Just it seeped in. Yeah, it was it was so weird. Like yeah. for weeks after yeah. my car smelled like that place. And then remember when we went to that first place that we shot at, first we had to find like that, because there's this one kind of location that everybody shoots at. Yeah. And so we went into that bar. And it was at like 9 a.m. packed yes. with no one on the streets. Yes. It was ghost town on the streets packed inside packed the bar. Packed in the bar. And, and then and there was the lone ninja. Remember the ninja? Oh my god. There was the lone the ninja. ninja. Yeah. We have footage of that too. Yeah. Cuz yeah. There was this guy just practicing his his ninja skills on his nunchucks. On he had the, nunchucks, right? Yeah, and he was really practicing. Yeah. Um on the beach alone. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. I just remember going into that bar um, and I remember you were in the car and you were still in your rollers and you were like, do you want me to come in? I'm like, you are way too pretty to go into this bar. Like that is, da- I don't want people to know that something like you is around because they'll just follow us. And so I went in there and everyone just turns because it's all like these old toothless men and everyone just turns and stares at me. And I was like, where, it- I don't even remember what I asked. And then we go to that place and we find this kind of like burnt out shell of what was once a home. Mm. And we shoot in there because we had a little bit of protection from the um, audience that we actually acquired. Because, and remember, there was like guys on golf carts that kind of just kept driving by. Every time people went by, I didn't like. I don't know where they came from. Yeah, they, it was the weirdest. Even the ninja, like, where did he walk in? <laughs> did he did he wake up in the morning like hike in in his ninja outfit? Like, well, then and remember, the ranger came and we got busted. Oh, I, didn't, I forgot. For shoot! Oh, I remember because I was terrified. Oh, really? I was terrified. So the ranger came and he's like, "What are you guys shooting?" And I was like, "Student Not porn." Student, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember you said it was a student film. Yeah, yeah. and then he's like, "You're not." Sho-, he specifically said, "He's like, you're not shooting porn in here, are you?" I'm like, "What kind of person do you, Who think, do you think I, I am? am?" I got so <laughs> angry and I just played the complete opposite of like how appalled I was that he would suggest such a thing. And then that layout came out in Hustler it was later. So cool. It was so- <laughs> Such a cool layout. So good. I love the old uh, the the bathroom. What was that? It was like a 
because there was no running water. It was just like a hole in the ground with the old toilets. Yes. Well, that was a different set. That because was the, the salt blue sea, dress. Though. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that was a yeah. Salt the blue sea. dress was the flooded out single wide. Right. That was awesome. And then we went somewhere else, yeah. and we found the old abandoned bathrooms. That was so cool. And that's my favorite set. That, that was one so cool. was amazing. Was- and that's where my my truck got stuck. And we were terrified because the only people around were these kind of very sketchy looking meth heads. There was no one who looked like they were making good choices. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? And they were like, can we help you? And we're Probably like, no. including us at the time. <laughs> so then you and I jumped in your truck and then we drove to the border patrol, but then we drove in like the wrong way. I vaguely remember that. And then like all of like the border patrol agents jumped out. <laughs> like I, I thought I was going to get arrested, but you know, thankfully we were just like two blonde girls. We're like, we're stuck. Help us. You know what I remember most about that trip was uh, driving home that night. Cause it was a long day. Yeah. And then we're driving home and Rodeo, he was riding with me for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And, and we're driving back. And he was explaining quantum physics to me <laughs> as we're driving. And I remember being like, I don't understand the alphabet right now. Like, I'm so tired. <laughs> and he's explaining these like very abstract theories. Yeah. I'm just like. Yeah. You know, honestly, that shoot and then a couple other ones that I did, I went out to this airplane graveyard in the Mojave Desert a while ago. It kind of makes me sad to reminisce about those because that's that back exist when anymore. not even that, but that's back when like I get, I feel like I gave more of a shit. Oh yeah, about what I was shooting, and I would go and to go to these like in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. places to shoot this artistic stuff because first of all, back then you actually like made a, some money on your website. Well, there were more places to sell it too. Yeah, you could do exactly. the magazine layouts and all that. Exactly, and also too, I think you know I was young and hungry and ambitious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was so excited about what I'm doing, and sometimes I just feel like a female Mike Quasar now. <laughs> I'm just like, porn is free. <laughs> Fuck this shit. I don't want to spend more than ten hours on set. So like, I look back at that, and like, I, I sometimes I, I miss that that really passionate drive well, yeah, that, that it I fed had. you something other than a check. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It was about like creating art, and I, you know, I have that photo hanging in my house. So do I. Oh, I, I have one of the, the blue dress in the window and mm-hmm. then one of the bathroom one. I have them both yeah, framed. I do too. Yeah, I always have to cover them up when people visit. I don't. I'm like, fuck it. You're going to look at Caden Cross's nipples. <laughs> look and at those nipples. Like it. You're going to like it. <laughs> so since then, since you then. have, okay, then you had a couple of contracts. Yeah, well, I, I've had a few contracts. Yeah, well, I started in contract. I started with yeah. Vivid. Then went to Adam and Eve, and I think I was with. I had to have been with Adam and Eve when I did that because after that it was digital, and then I couldn't do right the outside stuff. Right. So. Yes, I remember actually. So when you were with Adam and Eve, I used to shoot like all their box covers. Right. You, we used to shoot a lot. Yeah. I, I love that one you did for the eighth day. It wasn't the yes. box cover. Maybe it was the box cover. It was a box cover, and then the AVN promo stuff that yes. year. And it was like this deserty yeah. no man's land. We built I like loved the a desert yeah. inside the studio. Cool. We got like fake dirt yeah. and fake ground and fake boulders and like fake sunset. It looked really good. It was so good. Yeah, that was I, back in the day when you could spend a ton of money on building a set just for promo. I know. God. Remember when they used to actually shoot box covers as a separate yes. thing? <laughs> I know. Now it's like shoot it day of. Now it's like pull a screen seamless. grab. <laughs> oh, I know, right? It's like no one shoots box covers separately ever. And that yeah. used to be, you had a whole day yeah, dedicated to that. And you would spend so much money on it. But no more. No more. No more. I know. Um, and then you shot for digital. Yeah, digital. I was there three years. Yes. 
feels like a little longer even. And I remember I was sad then because back then, and this is when Digital Playground was run by, um, not by MindGeek. Right, it was it was run by the people who founded it. And, yeah, Samantha and June. Yeah, and they really, it was like a mom and pop shop in its yes. own way. I loved that. I, yeah. I, I really loved being a digital when I was there. I mean, I loved being with Adam and Eve when I was there. Yeah. I, I always felt guilty about making that switch because Adam and Eve was so good to me, but it was yeah. like... At the time, digital was the place to be if you wanted to, you know, be on top. Yes. Do all the biggest. What what do you think your favorite movie that you shot for digital was? Mm, Probably Body Heat. Yeah. Because it was was that same thing. Like, I came in, new contract, new... I I was really riding my first real wave of, like, success then. Mm -hmm. Um, I just come off of hosting the Avian Awards. Mm -hmm. And I, I had... I was hitting my three-year mark in adult, which is generally when you really start to soar. Mm-hmm. Um, and they gave me arguably the biggest role in the movie right off the bat. Right. I ended up winning a Best Actress for it, I think, with X-Biz. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, I looked good. I felt like I looked good. Um, and, I mean, my partner today is Manuel. Mm-hmm. That was that time when I was first seeing him on set. Oh, really? So that scene in there, like, that's not, we're not faking anything. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes. It, it was the only scene I've ever shot where we started shooting it. And then the director cut us really early and we were, like, upset. We were mad because they, <laughs> they, they only had so much time. And so they were right. just rushing, 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 rushing. And right. they gave us, like, 15 minutes on that scene. And 15 remember, minute sex scene? It was so short. Like, really? I. Did maybe, it come out looking short in the final product? I don't know. I mean, maybe it only felt like 15 minutes and it yeah. was 45. It felt like they gave us this much time. Right. And both of us were like, there's no way that that was a full scene. Yeah. Um, by far my favorite scene I've ever shot. It was so cool. Yeah. It was, it was just hot as shit. And we, it was like that thing where the whole time you're like chomping at the bit to get to that scene mm-hmm. and it was a little later in the day. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd both been, like, molesting each other every time we were allowed to. And the makeup artist hated me because they kept sending me back to get my makeup fixed. And yeah. kept licking it off my face. <laughs> That's when you know it's going to be, it's a good scene is when the makeup artist When the makeup artist is like, get that bitch out of my chair. <laughs> you do not come back in here until your scene's done. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, that was a great movie. I really liked Top Gun's too. I liked all of our big movies. Top Gun was a big one. That was a really big one. It was fun. Yeah. I just... The difference between Body Heat and Top Guns was I preferred how I looked in Body Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and Top Guns was a little more uncomfortable. Like, it mm-hmm. was in the Mojave Desert. Yeah, I heard that it was kind of a nightmare to shoot. It was really hot. It, it, was, it was hot. It was very distant. Definitely one of those places where, where the only people you're running into have made bad life choices. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was also, at the time... I had broken up with, uh, remember I was dating Eric Everhard? Yes. So we'd broken up and I hadn't seen him since we broke up. Mm-hmm. And then they went and put him on that movie. And we were all stuck out at this motel in the middle oh. of the desert. And this person that I haven't spoken to since we broke up is right there. And every time I come outside, he's right there. And I'm like, I'm not talking to you. And I have to go back in my motel room. Oh my <laughs> I'm God. Just like hold up in there hiding from the tweakers and my ex. <laughs> and then, of course, because we were holed up for so long, like we ended up getting back together. <laughs> <laughs> So really, that's just the way, like, if a relationship isn't working out, you just stick two people together in the middle of the Mojave Desert in a shitty motel, and You leave them there long enough. They're just going to get back together, because they have no other choice. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> it was actually, it was the most 
awkward. I, I, I'm dying to know who did the editing on Top Guns because we got back together in this way where, for one, I didn't realize my mic was still live. Oh, God. <laughs> so I had the lav on me, and of course, everything I'm saying is like available for the sound guy to hear. <laughs> I don't know if he recorded it, but... Um, the whole conversation got recorded by this mic pack that was on me. Oh my god! <laughs> and it was like, "Well, you did this. Well, you did this. Well, you did that." Oh my At god! At the end of which, we got back together. <laughs> that is so funny. I always wonder, you know, what because the sound guy always ends up. I used to. I would always joke with my sound guy about like, "How much footage do you have of people peeing?" Oh, I because I know. people never remember to take their labs off right. when they go to the bathroom, and like, I so can't imagine you just have. So I had when I was doing my Playboy TV show, I used to purposely go into the bathroom and just make really loud farting noises, <laughs> like not actually farting. People <laughs> clearly, I don't do that because I'm a classy woman. Um, but, but you, you can know, fake it, like faking it, and just you know to like just make them feel super uncomfortable. Yeah, I've always wondered, like, do do they feel uncomfortable, or do do they think like it's hilarious and they think you should feel uncomfortable? Like, I, I always think, wonder. I think they're probably like. Like anything that you do for a long period of time, they just roll their eyes. You just get used to it, yeah. and it doesn't matter. And I think they probably turn the volume off or something like that. So they maybe don't have to hear you pee. Maybe, but maybe, maybe they, they don't. Maybe they don't. I guess yeah. it depends on who it is. Like I know who. If anyone was listening during that breakup, like I know if I were on the other side of that, I would have tuned in. I would have been like, yeah. "What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you did what? <laughs> so speaking of relationships, how long have you and Manuel been married for now? Well, we've been together for, um, Jesus, five five years, mm-hmm. coming up on six. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not legally married. Okay. We're just... Married at the heart. We're married. We're spiritually fused. Right. <laughs> um, so I have to confess, I used to have... Manuel was the only male performer that made me nervous. Really? Yeah, like super would make me nervous. He's very he's very intense. He's he is and he's so cute and I'd only worked with him once before. I to this day, actually no that's not true. I think I worked with him when I shot some stuff for Angela White. I shot some pictures. Yeah, probably. She yeah, yeah, yeah. Him but up. before yeah. that, it was like him and Belladonna for like my mom shot it. Okay. And he was, and this was ages ago. Oh yeah, and he was really intimidating back then. Yeah, he now was, he's kind of goofy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he was very French. And, yeah, and um, and I just was like so. And then every time I would see him, I'd be like, oh Manuel, <laughs> <laughs> like I couldn't, like I'm like I can't shoot him. I like can't, like he makes me so nervous. He's so cute. I have such a crush on him. I can't, like can't. Yeah, no, he's he. He used to make me nervous too, and now that like I know what he's all about, I see through it. <laughs> he's very French, but then you get home and he just plays video games and eats pizza all day. <laughs> like every guy on this, planet. like every guy in the planet. Yeah, it's just packaged differently. <laughs> yeah, right. So now you've started your own production company. I have French Code X. So tell us about how that whole thing came about. God, it was for me. It was a big accident. It was um. It was kind of a so so I founded it with Stoya, mm-hmm. who was also in, in contract with Digital Playground. We both kind of went out at the same time mm-hmm. for similar reasons. You know, the, the the company was sold, and then it wasn't the same, and things mm-hmm. were just different. Both of us, she started dating a male uh, a male performer at the same time. I started dating Manuel, and so we were kind of on this similar track. And um, she had just broken up with the person she was dating. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't, <laughs> and mm-hmm. we were 
we were hanging out at, at my house and we'd had a lot of conversations about kind of how porn ought to be. Right. Um, just having been performers and seeing some of the stuff that we felt performers went through that was totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to, there, there's nothing by law that dictates the porn has to be shitty. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so we, we just, we'd had these back and forth conversations about kind of how we would do it and what we would do. And um, we really wanted to tone down the cheese factor. We, we felt like there was a lot of pandering that was done that was just really unnecessary. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think anyone's turned on by, by the cheese factor of a lot of porn, not all porn, but a significant amount of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a lot of tropes and a lot of just things that didn't have to be, but were, I mm-hmm. think mostly because it was people who'd been making it for so much time and they just kind of were in their patterns. And one day we bought the URL and then we were like, well, I guess we need to have some programming done or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, we didn't come in with any real money kind of earmarked for it. So we paid for the programming and then licensed some content. Uh, Stoya went out with a camera and shot some stuff on her own, like with her and other people in hotel rooms around the world. And I was making stuff for Manuel's Evil Line, so I brought it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we launched, and it had enough traffic that it kept going. Mm-hmm. And... I, I think over the course of that time, I kind of got this idea of what trench coat was going to be, like as it was moving along. There, right. there, it's not like we sat down and we were like, "Well, it's this, and this is our aesthetic, and this is what we're about." Um, it just sort of evolved, and it, as it kept not failing, mm-hmm. <laughs> I kept looking at it more and being like, "Okay, well, I guess we better make this something." Yeah. And now, now it's something we have. Um, I, I, I've since bought Stoya out, so I'm alone mm-hmm. on it, but. I feel like our, our aesthetic is very clear. Uh, what we're about is pretty clear. We still license content, not to a great extent. Right. It's more uh, in-house at this point, and now I've picked up a distribution deal. So we're putting our movies out through Jules Jordan Video as DVDs, which is mm-hmm. bringing in more revenue, which is increasing our production schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I know what I want to do with it. Yeah. It's what What I love about it is... I don't think I would enjoy directing if someone were just handing me this checklist and saying, turn in these things, because then it's a chore. Yes. I get to just... I know exactly what you mean. Right. <laughs> I get to just... If something comes to my head, I just go make it. Yeah. And um, it's on me if it fails, but it's also, so far, the, the reviews are insanely good. Mm-hmm. Um, we released two DVDs in the award before the award cut off. Mm-hmm. Both of them were uh, nominated really well. I mean... At XBiz, they were both nominated in their categories. They both had Best Scene nominations. Um, I think we got 11 nominations at AVN between two titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, one for Best Director on, on Sacrosanct. So. Okay. And then, so, was the other one Sunlit? Sunlit and Sacrosanct. Okay. okay. So I, I kind of have an idea of what Sunlit's about, because mm-hmm. I, I did read about that. And that's all natural light. Yeah. And um, obviously, like, a kind of a lighter, airier feel. Right. It, it's, for, for me, what Sunlit became is just, like, I sat down. When you have sex in the daylight versus at night, they mm-hmm. tend to be for different reasons. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was kind of thinking about it. I was like, okay, let me think of all the times that I've really enjoyed having sex in the daylight. Right. And one was just weekend, rollover in the morning, or maybe afternoon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're with your partner, and you literally have nothing to do all day, and you just 
fuck. Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. You're, you're with someone, you just, all you want to do is be in bed with him mm-hmm. and, and you fuck and then maybe you order room service and then maybe you fuck again. Like, that's, yeah. so that was one of them. And then another one, makeup sex. Like, mm. makeup sex to me is one of the best things in the world. Yeah. And I've never seen a makeup, everyone seems to know what makeup sex is, but no one seems to really focus on it in porn. Like, yeah. It's one of those things that infuses so many different kinds of feelings in it because you've yeah. got like anger and then you've got, you know, there's sorrow relief and, and, and relief. The, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and there's this animalistic it, thing. Like, you have to take that person of, back. Yeah. A lot of things. And, and, and just also, too, like a, there's almost, and there's like a tenderness to mm-hmm. it, too. It's like, oh, you there's know. a familiarity. Yeah. And there, there's this like there's a, there's an instant spark of passion if right. it's if it's simmered down, <clears throat> and it's just I love makeup sex. It's so good. I need to fight with my boyfriend more. Yeah, like we've it never just, had makeup sex. Oh, we you never need to fight. have makeup sex. You need to fight. I'm gonna pick a fight with him tonight. See Manuel and I get plenty of makeup sex. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, like I was like that's that's where I came to that that idea was just makeup sex is going to happen regardless of what time of day it is because right. it's going to happen the minute you make up. Right. And that's that's what Even that was. Even if it's in Mojave Desert, doesn't uh, matter where you're at. <laughs> bad motel. It will happen. Movie. It will happen. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I love the urgency of that. And then I did I did one that was just sort of like a, a, a fantasy that was played out as it was being described. It was mm-hmm. really easy. And then um, I did I did another one that had that more kind of like emotional weirdness to it, mm-hmm. kind of like the makeup sex one, where I, I had Manuel's character from the makeup sex scene come to an ex-girlfriend's house mm-hmm. and it sort of played as this thing that happened in the time between when he left Ava and when he came back. Okay. And uh, and, and that was just a thing where he's like crashing on someone's couch while he's out. Mm-hmm. And, and it they sort of have sex both because they're uh, trying to like push out their own personal problems and not really because it's about each other. Right. Um, so it was... It was a cool dynamic. I really loved the way that, so, that one came across. So were all the scenes vignettes? Yes. Okay. And I just actually, Sunlit 2 is just about to come out if it's not out today. Oh, great. Yeah. And same excited. kind of feeling, like all vignettes? Lots of different all- ones. I have, I'm in Sunlit 2. Oh, nice. I, I created this like affair situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have this really cool one with Eleanova. Who I, I just like love her vibe. Yeah. Um, and I've got one with Lily LeBeau and one with Rena Ellis. Nice. So. So now tell me about the other one, Sacrosanct? Yeah, Sacrosanct. So if Sunlit's like this like light, airy, bright thing, Sacrosanct's mm-hmm. this very like dark kind of, you know, Stranger Things, the upside down? Oh, yeah. That inspired scene one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was the upside down. Um, so Sacrosanct, it, it's, you know, what do you do at night? If you're having sex during the day, and these are the reasons you have sex during the day, like nighttime sex is a lot more, to me, intense. Mm-hmm. Um, or or haphazard, or mm-hmm. you know, sort of like like I've, I've got one with Katrina Jade that's very kind of ritualistic. And mm-hmm. what I love about her is she has this really intense relationship off camera, mm-hmm. uh, but very publicly with um, this like six and a half foot tall like, oh, yeah. Viking looking dude. Yeah, Nigel. Yeah, Nigel. I just uh, spent a weekend with them in Arkansas. Okay, for Danny Daniel's wedding. Okay, so do you know that he loves that song Despacito? 
I did not know that. That is like his jam. That's his thing? <laughs> yeah, I know. Every time that song comes on, I think of Nigel. Oh my God, that's it's funny. pretty funny. But it's yeah, exactly he's... the opposite of what you would think of him. Well, everything's like... the opposite of what you would think. Yeah. That's what I love about him is yeah. he's this huge, like, dominant, overbearing guy. Yeah. And then you you find out he loves to watch Katrina get fucked in front of him. Yeah. And to me, I was like, that's that's amazing. Why are we not witnessing this? Mm-hmm. Do you know how they met? Mm-mm. Oh, no, I do. She just basically hit him up on social media because she liked to split tongue. Yeah, she yeah. literally said that she Googled guys with split tongues mm-hmm. on the internet and then he came up and then she hit him up. She and drove to him met. like 13 yeah. hours yep. and pretty much didn't leave. Yeah, because he. so for those of you who don't know, he has a tongue which has been cut <laughs> in the middle. Uh, yeah, And so it splits like a like a snake's tongue. Yeah, I don't even have my ears pierced. I'm very, very yeah. opposed to, to pain. Yeah, so that... I don't know how he, yeah. But but he's Anyways. into it, man. And yeah. So we've got this really cool sort of like other world set, mm-hmm. and he's watching this whole thing, sort of like this this overlord. Mm-hmm. And she comes on this, she unwinds from rope on mm-hmm. this turntable. And there's a lot of like soundscape to it and mm-hmm. dripping noise and a little bit of that, that upside down, I don't know, audio there. Mm-hmm. And then these two men wearing executioner's hoods unwind her and she comes down and it becomes this scene that slowly works its way onto to Nigel's lap. Mm-hmm. So it was just this really cool, dark, weird thing. So did she have sex with three guys? or just No, the she two? has sex with the two on Nigel's lap. On, wow. Yeah, it's That's, really hot. It's, it's funny because normally those kinds of scenes are like the cuckold scenes mm-hmm. where like, you know, the girl's being fucked by some guy and then her right. poor little like shitty skinny husband's like oh no why are you having sex with my wife in front of me and then like he used to lick up the other guy's cum afterwards or right. something like that but it's totally like, this the is opposite obviously not, Nigel's yeah. in control in this one right so I, I really loved that and then um, I did I did this really I think my favorite intro was the honey gold one at mm-hmm. least for me to make um, just because it, it's also very otherworldly mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's kind of this surreal sleepover and I'm convincing her to have sex with a stranger, and she, she's got sort of her responses, and I've got my responses, and she comes in in real time to this this place set outside of time where she meets up with Mick Blue, and they have this very uninhibited fuck session that's just cool and different. Yeah, I did a scene in Sacrosanct, which was very cool and different. Who'd you do it with? Uh, Jillian Jansen. Okay, and I made it this kind of after hours VIP room, mm-hmm. and. Manuel is he's there and he keeps trying to to come into this dance we're doing and we kind of keep teasing him and then pushing him out and teasing him and pushing him out and it's this thing where he he's there there's a bit of a dominant well it's all power play the whole thing is power mm-hmm. play but it's he, we've even got his arms like hooked behind the chair like this not tied or anything mm-hmm. but the way the chair is it's it's restraining him in a sense mm-hmm. and he he looks really hot the way he's so like trying to come into it but he he keeps being held back, and then at the end, I I like I get him off to, you know. That's interesting too, because Manuel is usually a very dominant performer right. in mm-hmm. his scenes. I like putting him in, a, in the trench coat stuff because it takes him out of his his normal dominant Gonzo raw yeah thing. Do you th- and he he's like good at it. He yeah. just doesn't make that for himself, and I don't think right. he naturally goes there. But he's really good at playing it. Right, right. Well, he's probably he's got his own thing, and he's got his his vibe and he's got his line and all of that. So yeah. that makes, you know, his fans expect a certain thing of him. So that makes sense that he follows that. But it's good that he will do these different kinds of yeah, scenes and, and he'll do it well. Kind of characters. Yeah, he's definitely, 
one of the things I love about him is I can write knowing what I'm going to get out of him. Right. And I know he's going to give me what I'm writing for. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, a lot of other people, when I'm trying to come up with this idea, I'm like, oh, but can they do it? Yeah. I mean, I had one, I'm not going to say which one, but I had one where I had some dialogue and it was tough. Yeah. It was really tough. Yeah, I get that. I get frustrated um, a lot sometimes with clients when they give me like certain scripts, especially if there's a lot of dialogue. Or it's and a, then they request girls, and you're like, "Dude, this girl can't talk." <clears throat> right? And they're like, "Oh, well, she does really well in her ads." I'm like, "But, but who she cares? You can't gonna, yeah. do dialogue, so just save her for the Gonzo stuff." And then they make me cast her in that scene, and then it just comes it's off tough, so stupid. I'm yeah. like, "This is this is exactly the kind of porn that people think porn is like because mm-hmm. you've got because there are really good actors and actors." in porn, mm-hmm. but you know it's there are not that many of them, right? So it's like you know when you take somebody who when you've got a dialogue scene, the actors are so important, and that's why like I was talking to Brad Armstrong about this, you know, and he's um, he obviously directs for Wicked a ton, and you know he he's like I stick to the re- there's a reason I use a lot of the same people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. You know that they can carry the scene. You know they can do the dialogue. They can do the acting. Mm -hmm. Because that is hard. It's, yeah. I mean, I feel like it takes time just to be comfortable in front of a camera. Yes. I mean, you you can't just throw a new girl in. Even if she thinks she wants to be an actress and all this other thing. Like, you you have to forget the camera's there in a sense. And that's just, that's, that's hours on camera that does that for you. Absolutely. I mean, I remember when I first started my Playboy TV show, you know, and I was hosting this show and I'm never on camera, but I've been giving people instructions on how to right. be on camera for like 20 years now. Mm-hmm. But then once I was on camera, I was like, whoa, this is different and this is hard and I feel nervous and I feel unsure of myself and I don't know how to deliver my lines and I feel like I'm overacting and it was yeah. like, it was a completely The hardest thing experience. in the world is getting people to walk you know, when yeah. you're just like, will you walk from here to there and yeah. not act like you're walking like the camera's looking at you? Yeah. I mean, people who've been in for 10 years, I'll be like, can you walk from here to there? Yeah. And then I'm like, can you do it again? <laughs> and then they do it again. I'm like, can you do it again? My, my, my trick is I have my cameraman roll when they don't know what he's rolling. Yeah. Right? And then I just, I just kind of... And ca- you're like, can you come here for a second? I want to tell you something. Yeah. And yeah. And just... It's the only. I, I have so much footage where I, I get insert shots of people where it looks like they're like responding or reacting to something, mm-hmm. and really I was just rolling on them when they thought we weren't rolling and they were talking to someone off camera or something. Interesting. <laughs> that's that's my go-to move is to film them when they're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's once you become conscious of that camera, yeah, you change. You I mean, totally change. You, you can't help it. It's, yeah. Uh, even I, I still notice that I'll do it. Um, I, I think in time you get better at it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you never stop being aware when the camera's on. Yeah. It, it's the same thing like when you think someone's looking at you, you kind of, or even, do you ever feel like people are showing off for you when they're on the phone? Yes. That happened to me yesterday. I was in, in a locker room or something and it was, yeah, I was at the gym and I was packing up to go and someone answered the phone and I could tell that the way they were talking, they were like showing off to yeah. me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, we don't. I, I I don't care how yeah. the phone call comes across, but there was definitely this 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 act to the to the conversation. It, I feel like that happens a lot in this city. Yeah, it, but yeah, it, it, there's something psychologically you just click on and click off the moment you think eyes are on you. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's human nature. Mm-hmm. 
And so the great actors and actresses can somehow surpass that they natural inclination. Yeah. They transcend that natural inclination to do that. Mm-hmm. So, what's your process when you're thinking about um, a scene that you want to write or that you want to produce? Do, like the ideas just kind of pop into your head. Do you do research? Do you watch a lot of other scenes? Like, you know, the one thing I've never done, which is probably the worst mistake I've made in this industry is I've never watched other porn. Yeah. Um, I never do either. <laughs> I should have. We're so over it. Like yeah. once we've done our own stuff, like the last thing I want to do is watch other things. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if just because it comes across your timeline on social media mm-hmm. or whatever, like I, I notice a lot of the performers now all do the same stuff. They, mm-hmm. I, I just shot a, a series of days where we had 22 or 23 girls come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, for Fleshlight content. And in all of them, there's like this these solo videos. Mm-hmm. Every one of them did the same exact thing. And I was like, I don't do that personally. Mm-hmm. So you guys must be watching each other or I'm really weird, but like I, I don't use... The, the same fingers and lick them and do the, like there was a pattern to the way mm-hmm. everyone did the same thing. I'm like, you guys yeah. are you're all watching each other's stuff. I don't know if you're doing it on purpose, but yeah. everyone is doing the same. Even like the faces mm-hmm. that they make. Mm-hmm. I mean, girls coming in day one. Yeah, it's um, I I kind of wish I had done that when I was especially a new performer because I was just terrible. Yeah. Um, but there's also like it's it's there's a homogeneity to everything now. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, I think also, you know, a lot of times people don't put too much thought into what they're doing, into shooting mm-hmm. porn. And a lot of it is just the same thing, different faces. Yeah. So I, I love what you're doing with your site. And I love that, you know, it sounds like you're really putting a lot of thought into it. And there's a lot of like cerebralness to the scenes well, that I, you're creating. I, I try to make stuff that gets me excited, yeah. which. I feel like if it gets me excited at all at this point, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Because I am not easily. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what scene I love that you guys did was the uh, blowjob scene with Brett Rossi. That was hot, huh? That one was great. So yeah. it was like a glory hole scene with like donuts. And uh, it was frosting. It was frosting. different colored frosting. Okay. And we and we had these these three sides to a box, and we put yeah. Bre- Brett in, and she was so cute. And we put all these frosting dicks in, and some were real, and some were fake, and she just blew them all. Yeah, I love that you took something that's generally so sordid and seedy and creepy and made it like light poppy. and fun and <laughs> yeah. poppy and pink and yeah. <laughs> I mean it was so such a, I've never seen a glory hole scene done in that way and I just thought that was so cool that was so different. Yeah. No, I was really happy with that. Um I I kind of wish we we we'd done it right and that we'd done that and then we'd done another and another and another and mm-hmm. like rolled from there because mm-hmm. we did that movie and that was like the only movie we did that whole year. Yeah. And then uh, we came out with uh, Sunlit as our first technical DVD release because um, Adult Empire distributes uh, the Brett Rossi stuff. That mm-hmm. they, they've got that movie and then mm-hmm. we started our, our line later. I wish we'd kind of like built on that momentum and ran with it. Yeah. It's hard though, you know, and it's it's hard. The one thing that I've noticed about, like, I don't have specifically a distributor. I have an agent who puts my scenes together, and you know, will send out will send out my DVD to wherever distributor they decide to, and VOD and all that kind of stuff. Because my whole thing was is that I wasn't going to sign a contract where I was obliged to give a certain amount of content, right? Like every year, because. 
you know, the DVD market is dying. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to end up in the hole where I was suddenly producing content that I wasn't making the money back on. Right. And I know that a lot of distributors want a minimum amount of content from producers if they're going to distribute it because mm-hmm. they don't want to like just have one DVD every year or something like that. Yeah. They need to put out a big volume because a lot of times stores and even cable companies don't want to buy something unless it's a consistent flow. Exactly. No, I, I was told the same thing, you know, when when we started, Jules said, "Hey, are you going to be able to keep up with this schedule?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, no problem." It is it is it's difficult. Like I'm going straight from here to my editor because mm-hmm. we're trying to churn out this my my newest project tonight to yeah. turn it in tomorrow. We yeah. we wrapped it I want to say Wednesday last week we wrapped it. Wow. And so- it's a feature. It's not Oh wow! Yeah, it's a. <laughs> Can you talk about it at all? Yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited about it. It's called Trashy Love Story. Okay, um, and I, I got Holly Hendricks for it. Okay, so what she I tra- was best new starlet. She was best new starlet year? last year. Okay, and I, I didn't know anything about her. So so what I try to do is when I'm shooting a person. I, I, I tailor them and what I can figure out about them to the scene. That's really like smart. The, the, the fourth scene in Sacrosanct was with Angela White, and I looked mm-hmm. at Angela. I'm like, you're always perfect. You're always in perfect lighting with perfect makeup and agent provocateur lingerie mm-hmm. with with perfect men doing perfect things that are filthy. Yeah. Um, and she's just she's glam, 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 glam everywhere. So I was like, no, we're gonna get you. We're gonna get you dirty. We're gonna get this. We're gonna make this a little sordid. So we put her. In this this warehouse, and she's like this this pinup with red lips, and we have uh, I, I kind of played on this idea of like sirens, you know, the, mm-hmm. the in Greek mythology, kind of trying to yeah. lure soldiers to crash against the rocks. Yeah, and so instead of the sirens, we've got we've got these sexual scenarios where she keeps getting pulled in, and Manuel keeps pulling her back, mm-hmm. and you realize at the end it's because he's saving her for the best, which is the last thing, mm-hmm. and these men just pile out of this old gangster looking car. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up being this blow bang while she's getting fucked. Like it's dirty. It's yeah. dirty and it's dark and it's gritty and it's, she's like right in the camera and it's just. Yeah. I love how different it is for her. Yes. And so with with Holly, um, I'm always looking for performers that kind of move the needle on social media mm-hmm. because it's my it's my only ad revenue. It's my only ad option right yeah. now. Um, and Holly just happened to tweet at us. She said, "Hey, I want to work for you guys," mm-hmm. which people do that all the time because everyone's looking for work. But her tweet got a ton of retweets, and so I looked at her account and and I, I kind of reached out to her and talked to her a little bit. And she's from, you know, a double wide trailer in Virginia or something. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of telling me her story, and I I just I, I love it because she's this this beautiful girl. Who comes from literally nothing, yeah, and then just made this career in not even a year, like mm-hmm. just killed it, and, and so I, I went and did this like glamorized white trashy looking thing, yeah, where it's, it it kind of has a nylon magazine vibe to it, or okay. kind of like some of those guess ads, yes, um, or it's, she, it's like it's like a white trash chic, yes, exactly, <laughs> and, and so we got this junkyard out in Silmar. I mean, it's a junkyard, mm-hmm. it's. It's insane. It's really cool, but it's insane. They're, it's 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 insane. <laughs> and I, I just put really like bright colors on her and it's glammed not called her Chaos up. Ranch, is it? I don't know that it has a name. It's okay. just a dude who has a lot of junk. Yeah. Uh, Do you have like old buses and stuff like that? There's some. There's stuff like that, and there's like old old pickup trucks or some cows for no reason. Um, <laughs> Do you have llamas? 
No llamas. Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you were talking about his neighbor. Yeah. It's a whole neighborhood of this. Yeah. But he's got five acres just piled with, like, broken down cars and stuff like that. I love stuff like that. So so I I love the juxtaposition. That's what I love so much about your shoot that we did. I love beautiful girls and, like, gritty, disgusting environments. Yeah. Yeah, things that that you wouldn't see meet normally. Yes. I I really love it. And um, so I I, I did the one shoot with her that was kind of a, a part one, part two. And... At the time, I was like, we have to have a kind of a trashy story because it's called Trashy Love Story. Yeah. And and so I've got this dude, and of course, he's got like the handlebar mustache and the wife beater and the was beer. Was Charles Dara? No, 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 no. He's I, got the worst he's so, handlebar mustache he does, going and it's on. amazing. I hate it, and I love it so much. I'm just He like, just embraces it so fully. Oh. No, we got someone named Donnie Rocks, who I'd never oh, shot yes. before. He, oh my God, because he went as Charles for Halloween. I believe that. So he showed up to <laughs> our set. He was playing an extra with that fucking handlebar. That's amazing. With the mustache, and it goes down here. And I was like, what the fuck? He played it so well. Yeah, he's a good actor. He, he really is. And so we've got him just as like the douchebag boyfriend, and Holly mm-hmm. is the chick who deals with it. Mm-hmm. And... um it's just, I love it. I love the color pop, and I love the fact that there are cows in my opener. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we've got a thing where like we come in, and Holly's giving him roadhead, and that's our opener, and it's, right. it's loud, and it's it's going, and it's fast. And then he basically pushes her off and leaves and goes into the party. And she comes in, and he's already like hitting on another chick, and so the story unfolds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course... They go their separate ways at one point and end up mm-hmm. with different people. And then I, I turned it into a feature because I loved the look and the story and all of that so much. So it became okay. a bigger story. Okay. Um, what, and yeah, it's, it's a little trashy. What's the general story or do people need to well, wait and see? The, the, what, we, what we ultimately find out, because it's trashy love story, mm-hmm. is the brother and the sister are both vying for Holly's attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, the brother fucks up one too many times. And, uh, and Holly's just... She's, she's, she's a good actress. She... Um, she kind of plays this, that you know, that girl, that girl that puts up with it and puts up with it, and is kind of blind to what's going on, and mm-hmm. puts up with it and puts up with it, and then at one point, like she snaps. So yeah. it's good, awesome. Yeah, and that's what you're wrapping up right now. Yeah, like it's. Uh, I'm gonna go look at final edits, and then we'll turn it in tomorrow. Yeah, but we released uh, the first episode today on trench coat. Okay. So. I also like the way that trench coats set up because actually, so I'm um, I'm taking back my site. I'm mm-hmm. going to be running my site myself. Okay, and I'm working with uh, Andy. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so we were looking at your site actually because I wanted to. First of all, I wanted to be able to sell individual scenes by themselves, not for people nice to do a to membership. Be able to do that. Yeah, and to have kind of like a funnel where a blog where. You know, people can read my writing and then also like have stuff from the podcast, um, my workshops, and have all of that. And then that have that kind of feed into my membership site. So we were looking at your site because it has all that diversity. It's not just a membership site, it feels right. like a, a whole kind of little universe. Yeah. No, there, there's, um, what, what I like about the, well, what I like about reviews I hear about the site is that people feel like it doesn't read like a porn site. Yeah. It feels more like a—I don't know if magazine is the word. It's the word I've heard people use, but it, right. it's kind of—yeah, it lets you browse a little yeah. without 
feeling like they're just like throwing vaginas at your face. <laughs> Here's some vagina. That's, that's what Twitter's for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found that I've actually started like unfollowing certain people on Twitter just because it's too much genitals. Too much vagina. I, ca- I can't like, I'm over it, mm-hmm. you know? And I actually have kind of stopped um, putting up super explicit stuff on my Twitter too. And a lot of times I won't retweet something if it's got like a, if it's super hardcore, mm-hmm. it depends. Like sometimes it will if I really like it. But. Yeah. Generally not, just because I'm kind of tired of like being in the line at Starbucks mm-hmm. and looking at my Twitter timeline and wondering if there's a kid behind me. No, totally. You know? I totally know what you're talking about. And it's just, it's too public and yeah. everyone can see it. And I'm just kind of... You know, did, did you notice with OnlyFans though, like mm. a lot of that got sucked back off? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was really surprised how quickly that happened. Yeah. Um I mean, the, the companies are still doing the the explicit stuff, yes. but the girls aren't like, "Here's my vagina. I just woke up." Yeah, now they're know, like, right? "Pay for it." <laughs> I know, which is, I mean, good. It's how behind it a paywall. Be. I mean, they should be paid. They should be paid. It should be behind a paywall, and um, yeah, I mean, you should be able to just see vagina for free. I mean, that wasn't the way it used to be, right? I mean, you've been in this industry for a while. What do you think is the biggest change that you've seen happen? Um. I mean, uh, the most, uh, the biggest symptom of the change is probably the fact that when I started, girls were basically saying, no, I'm not working today. I'm tired of working. Mm-hmm. And now girls are begging for work. Yeah. Um, that's the, that's, that's the result. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everything used to be, when I started, it was, it was storylines and features packaged as DVDs. And so, it, the projects were big, and there was catering, and they lots of advanced planning catering. and catering. Remember catering? Remember uh, when you used to eat on set? <laughs> I actually like so I um we used to order food, but now we can't do that anymore because the budgets aren't big enough. But you know what I found works really well? I get uh, wraps and salads from Trader Joe's. Really? And I do pizza. Pretty good. I have to order pizzas. My my shoots are twelve hours. I order pizza. Yeah, it's the only thing. Like, yeah, it delivers everywhere. There's yeah. nowhere you can't order pizza. That's true. That's true. Sometimes it's the only option. Yeah, especially out of my white trash uh, junkyard, <laughs> trashy chic. Um, but but yeah, I think. It used to be like you were in the movie business. It was just the dirty one, mm-hmm. and now it's like you're you're hustling. Yeah, there's so much hustling now. There was never. I'm sure. I mean, anywhere there's going to be some level of hustling, but it wasn't obvious. Yeah, and now everyone's just constantly hustling. Yeah, I, it's I hear you. I was I was actually thinking the other day, and I was kind of like like looking at all of my different, you know. Revenue streams that I have. Well, now I have seventeen different revenue streams. It's amazing, and that's just to like survive. I'm not driving a fucking Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm driving a Jeep Grand Cherokee. I mean, it's nice, but <laughs> it's like I mean, it's not. There's just uh, you have to work so, so much hard harder for so much less for so much less. Yeah. And it's funny, my mom gets very upset about it, you know, because back in her day. Oh, dude, she was swimming in it. Yeah, swimming in it. And so she's always like, oh, you're working too hard. Darling. Darling. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no choice. Like, this is just the way it is now. Yeah. But you kind of get, you get used to it. But I do find that I am working 24-7 mm-hmm. and... I'm caught in like social media just sucks up so much of your time. I hate social media. That's my worst. 
that's the one I, I have one person who helps me on trench coat other than that I'm everything yeah I mean I'm I'm the bookkeeper and the director yep. and the producer and the PA yeah I'm doing same. everything yeah and I'm doing social media Monday through Friday but I have one person who helps me on the weekends and who helps me with my uh, my actual updates yeah um, in the system and uh I feel like I look forward to the weekends just so I don't have to open Twitter. Yeah. Like there there's something so luxurious about just sinking in mm-hmm. and not touching my phone. Mm-hmm. Other people I, I'm weirded out by people who panic when their phone's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like give me that. I feel like <laughs> take my phone. I feel like I'm one of those people that panic and 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 I wish that I didn't and I've actually started noticing recently like more and more how kind of like Addicted, I am to my phone. I'll find myself reaching for it when I know there's nothing to see. Yes, same. But, but I, when it's not near me, I prefer it to stay away from me. Yeah. If it's in my hand, I'll, I'll open it and I'll yeah. refresh something. Yeah. But if it's not near me, I love it. I feel so free. I feel I'm always like, where's you know, where's my phone? And I always, you know, I check my email first thing I do first thing when I wake up in the morning because I'm always convinced that I'm going to get that one email that's going to like change my life, you know, right. some offer but they or something. And it they does happen. happen, yeah, and exactly. they happen randomly. Yeah, yeah. no, it's true, but I, I feel like I won't miss it. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it'll still be in my inbox. <laughs> you know, I exactly, and I wish I could kind of do that. And lately, I've made a point, like when I'm out in public or something like that, where. You know, I'm waiting in line, or you know, all the times that people are usually on their phone, mm-hmm. and I'll just put my phone down and be like, "Okay, let's absorb like life. Mm-hmm. Let's look around. Let's look at the people that are around you. Let's let's people watch. You know, yeah. let's notice things in your immediate surroundings. People watching is watching people on their phones, though. Now I know. The other day, Manuel had some some friends over, and so it was three of them and him, and they were all French. Mm-hmm. And I, I was I had been reading an art I was like obsessed with this article, really mm-hmm. interesting article. And so I'm like reading it. And so I didn't get up and immediately go over to the table. And I come in and they've just shown up. He hasn't seen the, this very close friend in a while because he lives in France and he mm-hmm. had just flown in. And they're all sitting around the table, each of them on their phone, like dead quiet on a Saturday night. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like this is surreal. Why do you have people over if you're gonna stare at your phone? Yeah. And I kind of pointed it out, and they like laughed like it was hilarious. But there's something very unsettling, yes, about the fact that you get together in groups and then each go to your phone, yeah. And you see it all the time. You see people at dinner. I mean, you see it with kids too, big time, big time. And I worry about that. You know, I see people sitting at, at lunch with their kid, and they just give the kid the iPad to like watch a movie while they're supposed to be out as a family having dinner yeah. or having lunch. And I'm just like. You're not, you're not, like your kid is not interacting with the real world. And how is that child going to grow up and interact with people when they're an adult? You know, and, and these days but, you see that with millennials. But you wonder if that's even going to be a thing. Like if everyone's growing up on screens. Right. Like how, and everyone can, can basically live their lives from a basement if they want to. Right. You could, you could literally, you could grow up, go to school online, yep. develop a business online, run it online. Yeah. You could, and then order Grubhub. Like yeah. you, you could feasibly never leave your basement yeah. from birth till death. Yeah, it's really... There's it, nothing preventing that at this point. It's scary. I was listening to um, the Joe Rogan podcast the other day and he had uh, Sebastian Younger on, I think, who wrote a Tribe and he was talking about how depression rates and anxiety rates way have go- gone way up. And in younger groups. Yes, yeah. because everybody is so isolated from technology because now you can drive to your house, uh, you know, you can pull your car into your, you know, your automatic 
door garage. You can go into your house. You can order Grubhub. You can watch Netflix. You can text with somebody on the phone. Like you don't have. Like people don't need each other to survive anymore. Mm-hmm. We used to need each other to survive. Yeah, and then you would have these bonds that were right. Lasting and definitely even like with your neighbors, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. even if you lived in an apartment building and you would meet people like on, you know, the the stairwell, like going to your next, um, you know, going to your apartment, you would at least have some kind of interaction with people. And he was pointing out that a lot of these mass shootings happen in um, in neighborhoods that are usually like middle class neighborhoods. You're not seeing that happen in low income neighborhoods. You're not seeing that happen. Oh, where there's more dependency on people. Yeah. Because the because now like with suburbia, mm-hmm. people are so isolated from each other. You have your own house, you have a wall up. You don't know your neighbors. You don't have to talk to your neighbors. There's no community. Yeah. There's no, and and you have the money to have the technology to not talk to other people, and so it was a really interesting eye opening. We we had a thing um, a little while ago. We were we were out of town and we came back and the neighbors like five houses down the street. Mm-hmm. They'd baked cookies, and I, I presume they put a plate of these cookies on everyone's doorstep, and you know, it was wrapped, and it said, from the so-and-so, whoever they were. And uh, so we take the cookies in, and we've never met these people, and, mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, well, now we have to do something. So we wrote yeah. a thank you note, but like dropped it in their mailbox, yeah. <laughs> rather than have to go talk to them face-to-face, because right. it seemed very intimidating. Right. Was there a part of you, too, that worried that like maybe the cookies are poisoned? Um, no, I, I didn't do that. But I also didn't eat them because I've been trying not to eat cookies. <laughs> so <laughs> it was maybe if I had been eating them, I, I would have gone that far. Because I find that these days I'm often suspicious if someone tries to start a conversation with me in public. Yeah, you're like, what do you know. want? Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, just coming up here, the last time I was here in the elevator, um, this handyman gets in the elevator with me and he's just like, hey, how's your day going? And my instant thought was like, what do you want from me? No, what I'm are you exactly trying to get from the same me? Way. Like, why but are you I trying to talk to me? I think being a female, especially in LA, yeah, that's true. Generally, if someone's coming out of their way to talk to you for no reason, they're hitting on you. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it's true. Yeah. Like when I go to the gym, if someone starts talking well, to it's me. Well, true for you. No, no, no. It's true. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. I was way more attractive 10 years ago, okay? Uh, I don't know about it's that. It's still true to this day that if some dude comes and talks to me at the gym, he he doesn't care what I'm reading. He's just using that as a... As yeah. There's course. a difference between that, though, I think, if somebody's automatically approaching you mm-hmm. and you're obviously doing your own thing. Yeah. As opposed to somebody... Just like friendly just, conversation because you're next to each other. We're in an elevator together, yeah. and sometimes it's kind of awkward to not say something mm-hmm. to someone that you're in such close proximity with. And... You know, I kind of responded, and but I found myself on very high alert. Yeah. And then he got out of the elevator, and he's like, okay, have a nice day. And I just was thinking to myself, I'm like, why was I so on guard? Why was I so right. suspicious? Why did I not want to engage with this man? And and then the other day, I was at Starbucks, and um, I decided purposely to not go on my phone. Mm-hmm. And there was a, um, a, la- a girl next to me. And she mentioned something, and I responded, and we had this like really nice, like a human interaction, in a human interaction, <laughs> it was kind of pleasant, <laughs> casual conversation, pleasant, like just you know. And then I got my coffee and I left, and I thought to myself, that never happens. Yeah, that never happens anymore. Mm-hmm. And how strange that I would be so surprised by having this interaction, right? Which should be a normal everyday thing. But but imagine like. That, that's where we're at, and we grew up without tablets. <laughs> right, exactly. It's going to be so crazy. 
down the line if people have conversations. <laughs> I know, and it does. It it worries me about you know the future of the human race. Yeah. And, but but I want to think that people, you know, will start to recognize this and will start to. I think I think try things- to purposely interact with each other because now you know I make it a point to kind of try to put. My phone well, down. I mean, it kind of happened like that with, with exercise. I think if you look at that, you know, we got to a point where technology allowed us to slow down a lot, not mm-hmm. do as much. And then at some point we all became aware that if we're not active, yes. there's not that everyone now exercises, yes. but it's now a conscious thing that people are aware of that either they have the willpower to go do or they don't. Right. And and I wonder if, yeah, basically socialization will be treated the way exercise yeah. and nutrition are. Yeah. I mean, you want to hope that, you know, the human race is always going to find a way to kind of self-correct. You want to hope. Yes. We do want to hope. That was the article I was reading the other day. It was, uh, it was on negative CO2. Uh, oh, really? Technology that pulls CO2 out of the air, which is supposedly the only answer now. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, and last night I was in bed with my boyfriend and we both, uh, we have guests in town, so we both kind of went to bed early and he's on his phone and I'm like, and I just, and I had a book, which I was reading on my iPad, but still, it was (laughs) was a book. book. (laughs) And he's just on his phone, like on Reddit. And I just looked at him, I'm like, and just in this kind of accusatory tone, I'm like, when was the last time you read a book? (laughs) And he was like, I read books at the gym. I'm like, who reads books at the gym? And I was just so frustrated with him because he's he's actually a very intelligent, well-read man. And I don't know, I, I think I have this... This idea of this this perfect like one of my favorite memories as a child was reading in front of the fireplace with my dad. Mm-hmm. That was like one of my favorite things to do. My dad's a big reader. I'm a big reader, and sitting in front of the fireplace and just not talking and reading books yeah. together was like one of my. And that, I've always wanted that with like my Someone significant else, yeah. other. And now I just feel that it's just on it's your phone. Too late, yeah. And I just wanted that moment we were both in bed early, just reading a book together. This mm-hmm. kind of you know. Marital bliss, even yeah. though we're not married, but I don't know. No, it's harder and harder. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like anyone I know who reads doesn't live anywhere near me, so we can't even really get together to read. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Next to each other. I know. I know. And uh, I mean, I, you know. I, I was don't... wondering the other day how libraries are still a thing. I know. Because they're, for one, they're government funded. Right. And, and then they're sitting on very expensive real estate. Yeah. And, and who goes to libraries? I don't go to libraries, and I am a book fanatic. Who goes to libraries? Yeah, I, 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 my dad and I used to go to libraries all the time. It was when great. I was a kid. It yeah. was like our thing, and I can't remember the last time I was in a library. I can't either. I, and I, I don't know anyone who was like, yeah, I was at the library the other day, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, how's the library? Like, no one has people any- go into the library to use like a uh, their IP address so they can send people like. Suspicious okay. emails and stuff like that. So That's the library never should have brought computers in. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as we are live on MV Live, hi everybody. Livy's been monitoring the feed. Livy, do you have any questions for yeah. us that people want to know that aren't couple. stupid? Do you have any not stupid questions for Caden? Well, one of them you guys kind of touched on, which was. Um, how would you say the industry changed since you started, and what does the future hold? Okay. That's well, we did talk about how the industry changed, um, but then the other part of the question was, what does the future hold? What do you? I hate this question personally when people ask me this because yeah. I'm like, if I knew this question, motherfucker, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah. If anyone knew this, question. yeah. I mean, I would like, I would know exactly what the next step is, and I feel that, you know, I. Well, Greg Lansky knows what the future holds. <laughs> He's the only one. <laughs> well, how, how about this? Somebody then asked. 
How do you feel that the digital age has transformed porn in a positive way? Okay. It has given control to the performers in ways they didn't have, I for agree. sure. As a performer, assuming you can rally a fan base. If you have no fan base, you've got nothing. Yeah. Assuming you can rally a fan base as a performer, you can you can dictate more than ever before. Right. It used to be you were just sort of like blindly booked, and mm-hmm. if someone was a dick on set, that's as far as it went. Right. Be- between sort of your your soapbox that is social media, and then the various revenue streams that are easy to access, like like many vids or auction sites, or mm-hmm. I mean, people sell Skype chats, they sell individual clips, like. You know, you don't have to leave your house, <laughs> yeah, right? And, and you can be making money, owning the content, owning the revenue stream, controlling the way you're portrayed. Um, that is that is a benefit for sure. I think you've been a perfect example of that because you started off as a model and you started off as a performer who was just creating content for other people, mm-hmm. and now you've launched your own website, your own line, and now you're writing and directing and also starring in. Your own scenes, yeah. And I'm not aware of you really shooting much for other people at no, all. No, I don't. I mean, I, I did. I, I did do a, a girl girl scene for Greg Lansky, right? Uh, just because I, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm available when it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can be selective. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a, which is a great luxury that not a lot of people yeah. have. But but there are like I, I think Eva Lovia is a good example. Like mm-hmm. she's extremely selective. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got a great career. I mean, that that girl, if she tweets one thing, it's going to get hundreds of retweets on her content, right. and that's that's money. Yeah. Like it, from where I stand, if I'm writing you a check, if you're not getting me retweets on social media, I want my money back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care that you gave me a scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're not sending me traffic, right. uh, you're not valuable to me. Because you don't have an affiliate program, right? Uh, I just I, I do have one now. Oh, okay. But no one sends traffic like affiliate programs. I feel like are kind of yeah. Dead. They they've they've definitely been declining and now they're almost useless yeah um but you know it's like the dvd thing where if you can still make some money off of it go for it oh god yeah i mean there's like you know come on trickling i mean there's a reason i have 17 streams of revenue right there's not one of them that's bringing me a ton of money they're all bringing me a little bit Mm -hmm. i mean obviously some more than others but i need all of it right all of it i I totally totally agree yeah i mean we even I take my content basically anywhere I can make money on my content because yeah. it, one of my things that I'm proud of is I don't ask girls to come down on their rates. If this no, is your rate I as a performer, I, I will pay it. Yeah, you better fucking get me my retweets, but I'll pay you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so because some people are worth the money for sure. Plenty. There are plenty of good girls. Others though, I I, I had to have a conversation with with one. I was shocked because she was. There tends to be kind of a flat rate where where. Girls kind of think like everyone should get a thousand dollars for boy girl. Okay, yeah. Um, but of everyone I had paid that rate, she had the least amount of a history in the business and b social influence. Mm-hmm. And she was the one doing the least amount to push. Yeah. When her scene came out, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I know you do cheaper scenes. <laughs> yeah." I actually recently did um, talk to all the agents about um, girl girl rates, and mm. uh, that I wanted to, you know, newer girls should be not be paid the same amount of money as someone like you know Missy Martinez, right. who's been in the industry for a while, who's got a big following, who, will who sell. comes to yeah. set, set prepared, who goes out and buys the wardrobe that I need for the shoot, who has actually read the script, yeah. you know, and then I get this brand new girl who may not have the car or the money to go buy the wardrobe. That's totally fine. Um, you know, maybe didn't read the script, is inexperienced, 
doesn't know how to do it. Slows you down, makes you pay more for location. That's that's the thing. thing. It's like because a lot of these locations are by the hour. Yeah. If you're you're slowing my day down because mm-hmm. you don't know what you're doing, you require a lot more direction, a lot more coaching, which is fine. Everybody's got to start somewhere. That's okay, but there's no reason I should be paying you the same amount of money that I'm paying yeah, the person a with seasoned the girl yeah. who's going to get me through the day like that. So that's I kind of came to that conclusion. I'm like, okay, we need to I reassess think I, this. I think agent fees need to go away. I personally yeah. don't agree with them. You're not supposed to take both from the performer and from the person booking the performer. You're not yeah. supposed to do that. Yeah. And I, I it's it's a pretty high rate. Yeah. Especially when you think like on a girl girl scene, if you're paying another hundred dollars just to make the phone call and yeah. you know all they're doing is making the phone call when you have the girl's number in your fucking phone. Yeah. That makes me so crazy. Or the most frustrating thing is if the girl's actually like a friend of mine. Yeah. Like a friend of yeah. mine. Like we hang out outside of work, we talk, we chat, and then I've still got to pay her agent. Makes when so I mad. could just be like, or hey. how about the one where the agent's not responding, so you have to go to the girl? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and you still have to pay the agent fee, even though he flaked on you. <laughs> oh my god! And the girl was the only one who got that booking. Tell me about it. Oh my god. Uh, okay. Well, we are wrapping up the end of our session, and Caden, I want to thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you for having it me. It was such a pleasure to have you. It was so good to see you. I'm so happy that you're doing well. I mean, you're one of the smartest girls in the industry, and Hardworking, and you just like deserve all of your success. Well, and I'm you. just, I'm just stoked to see you like where you're at today. Thank you. So, where can people find you on social media? Should they choose to do? Should so? they choose? Um, I am on Twitter at Caden underscore Crafts. Um, I am on Instagram, my third account. I'm not going to get deleted this time. <laughs> at Club Caden, and then of course my trench coat stuff is also on social media where I'm more active. And that is Trenchcode X. Yeah, it's at Trenchcode X and at Trenchcode X photos for Instagram. Okay, fantastic. And then of course, TrenchcodeX.com. Of course. All my great content is You guys living. gotta go check that out. And you can buy her videos individually. Um, you don't have to buy the whole membership you don't want to, so you can kind of yeah. like give it a shot. Scene at a time. See Scene if you at like a time, it. see if you like it, and then maybe take the plunge after that. I think you should take the plunge. Though. I think it's you should. really good content. You should. And uh, you can find me, of course, at um, hollyrandall.minivids.com. That is my URL, right? I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> hollyrandall.minivids.com, um, hollyrandall.com. And I'm on social media at, at hollyrandall on both Twitter and Instagram. And I'm on Snapchat at hollyrandall78. And if you want to support my podcast, you can visit my Patreon page patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered we give all kinds of free fun perks do you give these mugs out? um, well these are minivid mugs but I do have HR mugs that I do actually auction off like I do a swag bag once Uh a month and I give away um, a mug a bag, a mouse pad shirt, DVD um, signed photo like all kinds of stuff So, and I also do auctions I do raffles for my books too So, oh yeah? yeah all kinds of stuff. So awesome. just go to my Patreon page and there's all kinds of all kinds of good stuff that I give away there for your support. Yay. All right. Thank you so much, Caden, for coming on. Thank you. Bye guys. Bye.
I really love interviewing smart, independent women on this show because I find it very inspiring. And Caden's a great example of how you can start off in this industry as a performer and then how you can work behind the scenes. You can use your experience and produce content. You don't always have to be in front of the camera. And it just shows all the different avenues that porn really can open for a girl working in this industry. And I think that Caden is a perfect example of somebody who made that transition from being a performer to being a director. And with all of the AVN nominations and Expos nominations that she's gotten this year for the work that she's written, directed, and produced is testament to her incredible skill and her motivation and just her all-around awesomeness. So thank you so much, Caden, for coming on. And good luck at the awards this year. 